Hi, everyone, and welcome to Las Musas podcast. My name is Adriana Hernandez Bergstrom, the author of Abuelita and I Make Plan. And I'm here today with debut picture book author Monica Mancillas. Today on this debut spotlight episode, we'll be talking about Monica's journey to publication and her debut picture book, Mariana and Her Familia. Hello, Monica. Can you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little about your book? Yes. Hi, Adriana. My name is Monica Mancillas. My book, Mariana and Her Familia, is um, going to be publishing on October 4th of this year, just a few weeks away, uh, through Balzer and Bray. And it's illustrated by the amazingly talented Erica Meza. And it's about a little girl who is on her first trip to visit her family in Mexico. And she encounters sort of the strangeness of the new setting and being around people who are family but that she hasn't seen in person since she was a baby and um, you know struggles with connection and struggles with the language barrier but um, eventually comes to find that she is just as much a part of the family as anyone and has always been there unconditionally loved by her abuelita and the rest of her family. That is so sweet. I got to read an early, like an arc of it, um, an advanced reader copy of it, and I thought it was so lovely. I also found out that your book, Mariana and Her Familia, was chosen as a Junior Library Guild selection. That is amazing. Like, what did you think when that happened, when you found out? Well, you know... (laughs) I feel like I like I actually missed out on sort of the pomp and circumstance because I oh this is embarrassing but I had not heard of this before. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, well, that's I guess that's that leads up to my next question is what was your path to publication for your book? Is there were you coming from another industry? Uh, yes, yeah. So, um before getting into publishing, I was actually working in the music industry. I moved to Los Angeles um, when I was 23 years old to be a recording artist. I was a singer songwriter and piano player and, you know, had the, the young dream of being a rock star. And then once I was done, you know, touring the world with my rock band, I was going to settle down and get my PhD and become a novelist. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That is amazing. Uh, What was the name of your band? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, you know, so I never actually had a, a band. It was just me performing solo. And I, I put out um, uh, an album called On the Brink back in like 2010, I think, self-produced and wow. self-engineered. I recorded it at, uh, I worked at Musicians Institute, which was a, co- a contemporary college of music. Um, I ran the audio engineering department there. So I had... That's amazing. Yeah, I had free reign of the studios and um, but um, writing was always, always a love and of mine. And um, after my daughter was born, I decided to leave my career in the music industry and I wanted to be home with her. And of course, I started reading children's books constantly, day in, day out to her from, I think, you know, two weeks old. Wow. Yeah. Same here. I think that leads a lot of us from other industries because I also came from I came from commercial art. But yeah, I think a lot of us that come from other industries, we realize, especially when we have children, that this is this is a, po- a possible avenue for us, especially if we were coming from other creative industries, like in your case, music, and in my case, um, commercial art. So it makes sense that you didn't know about the Junior Library Guild Selection Award, but it, now that you know about it, like, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's funny because, you know, my when my editor emailed me, um, 
I emailed my agent and I said, Hey, is this, is this a big deal? Is this cool? And, and she was like, yeah, you know, she, she yeah, yeah. it's kind of a big deal. Cause they order like a bunch of your books once you're on that list. Well, that was amazing. And also I, you know, during the subsequent weeks and months, then I started seeing other people, other authors, you know, just thrilled about this, this honor. And, and so I felt like I didn't have that moment of, Oh my gosh, that I, should have had, but um, definitely. <laughs> a little delayed, just delayed. <laughs> well, now you know, that's amazing. And the other thing is, um, from what I understand is maybe uh, not everyone's books get chosen for it. And maybe, you know, maybe the next one will, and maybe the next one won't. But regardless, once you have one that's been chosen, it puts your name sort of in the, um, in the scope of librarians and they start to see your name as a, like a legitimate name. Yeah. That's amazing. So you were reading tons and tons of books to your daughter and you were like, okay, no more touring the world. And then how did you end up publishing Mariana and her familia? What was the route that that story took? Yeah. So my story I think is a little bit um, unusual because most authors do wind up in the query trenches for, you know, sometimes years and it's, it's difficult. And I feel like you know, the difference between my journey in, in the recording industry versus publishing was so vastly different. It was, it was really challenging to find any kind of support in the music industry. And it really always felt like an uphill battle. And for, for me with publishing, it, it just felt like one open door after another, meaning that in, in Kidlet in particular, I think people are just very kind and very supportive. Um, it's still, it's still competitive, of course, but I really did get lucky. So in 2017, when I decided, okay, I'm really going to go after this, I'm going to pursue it. I joined uh, the Society of Children's Books, Children, Children's Books Writers and Illustrators, SCBWI, and formed my first critique group. And man, was I green when I look back at those first, <laughs> first picture books I was writing. I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I think I, I, I wrote Mariana and her familia. Um, I titled it first Agualita because that was so, that there's a moment in the book where uh, the little girl accidentally calls her Agualita Agualita and is really That's embarrassed. Right. Yeah. Agua like water. Aww. Which which happened to me and it sort of lived on in my memory through the years. So I went to my first writers conference the following year, 2018. Um, and uh, I entered a mentorship contest with um, Andrea J. Loney through SEBWI, and I won that. Um, and, and, you know, she, you know, uh, helped me by, first of all, telling me I needed to get myself on Twitter. And connect. <laughs> that is the message many of us get in the beginning. We're like, why? I've avoided it for so long. <laughs> I was loath to do it, but honestly, it was the best decision I made because that is how I landed my agent. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, so I spent I spent six months with her um, fine-tuning Mariana and her familia, and I had had a critique session with an agent and another with an editor, and both had given me really positive feedback on the book, but I had gone through multiple revisions between my critique group and my mentor and these agent and editor pitch sessions. So it by the time by the time it got 
by the time it was finished, I think I had probably written about 32 revisions of this book. Wow, 32 revisions. I thought mine took a lot of revisions. No, that's that's more than mine. Wow. It was a lot, but that's how green I was. So after my mentorship ended, I participated in uh, DVPIT on Twitter. And amazingly, I landed my agent. Uh, I had only started querying two weeks prior. You what you what you were oh, wow two weeks in the query trenches yeah DV pit so you are a DV pit success story that's so cool it was amazing and she was the only agent who liked it and I sort of you know I was so green I really honestly I didn't know what I was doing and I took a, a, a I didn't know how to is this a good agent is this not a good agent I kind of just gambled and it turned out she's an amazing agent. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's just been a fantastic journey. So we sent Mariana out, um, I signed with her in October and we waited until after the new year to send it out and it wound up selling at auction. I think I signed my deal in February of that year. So wow, really fast for me. I was very lucky. Very, very fast, Uh, um, in, in relative terms, but I think Again, I think because we came from other creative industries where we struggled really, really hard, we were already ready with the work ethic to do, right? Yes. No, that's true because I, you know, I do look at my years in the music industry as part of this journey because I came in determined not to make the same mistakes that I made with my recording career. First, being to to really focus on the passion not to worry about, I mean, of course you have your goals, but not to let those end goals be what drives me every day. I wanted to get up driven to, driven to write because I love writing. And as long as you keep that passion with you, I think that you're going you're gonna to last a lot longer. So I had all of that experience. I also, you know, I, I think as a musician, I didn't dedicate enough time to my craft. Whereas with writing, I, I was I was starting at an older age with more experience. So I, you know, I write every day and I work on this every single day with a with kind of a relentless work ethic. I think that's the reason for your success so far is exactly that. It's that um, and I, I relate to this so much, Monica, like you're, you're kind of saying a lot of the things that I went through as well. And I, I suspect that listeners will also find themselves connecting to a lot of your story that, you know, the passion is there. Now what? So any other, let's talk about Mariana and her familia. So you said part of earlier, you said the inspiration was this moment you had where you called your abuelita Agualita, which is like little water. Um, is so I'm guessing Mariana, the character in the book, is she based on you and your own experiences, maybe traveling back and forth between countries? Yes, absolutely. So I was born in Ensenada and uh, raised in San Diego, which is an you know, Ensenada is about an hour and a half south of the border. So I was always very close to my family, but that border is such a huge. Uh, cultural symbol and uh, you know I just have memories of of going down to visit my family and crossing the border and the second that you cross the frontera it's like astonishing how different the landscape is a different world 
a completely different world. The sounds, the smells, um, the, the, the infrastructure, everything is so different. And so it was always a little bit jolting for me to go back and forth between these two worlds. And even though Mariana's experience is a little bit different in that she is going there for the first time and, and I was born there and born and, you know, lived in my abuelita's house for the first two years of my life. So I never uh, lost touch with them, but it still felt new every single time I went, especially the longer I stayed in the United States and the more I became acculturated to American culture and the, the less fluent I became in Spanish. Language really was a huge issue for me as a child and even as an adult. You know, I always felt um, ashamed that I couldn't, that I wasn't as eloquent in Spanish as I was in English. Being a writer and, you know, someone who centers everything around words, it was really difficult for me not to be able to express myself the way I wanted to with my family. Yeah. And I think a lot of us that learned as, as young children, when we get it, get to the United States, you're, and this is just actually language acquisition. I, I want to make you feel a little bit better about that, that issue is that in terms of language acquisition, it's your dominant language comes to the forefront, depending on where you're living. So if everybody is speaking Spanish around you, then that would have been your strongest language. Yeah. And when you would have come to the United States then you would have been struggling with that. So yeah. it's, it's a process of sort of coming to terms with the way just human brains work mm-hmm. and like um yeah being kind to yourself because I struggled with that too like gosh I wish I were so clever I wish I were as clever in Spanish as I was as I think I am <laughs> in English I wish I were funny right like it's hard to be funny that's my biggest uh like the thing I regret the most is like I'm not that funny in Spanish <laughs> Right. No, I, I, I couldn't be funny to save my life in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that for me, that was the one I'm like, oh, and then when my uncle would tell jokes and he'd have to explain it like, oh, grown. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was funny when I would, you know, say things like agualita or suck it, you know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, so cute. Or like, I mira la niña linda. Like, oh, man. Like, that was not my intention. <laughs> Um, so w- the next question I had for you was uh, about Mariana was, um, so what impact are you hoping to make with the book? Because I, I think you did a great job capturing between you and Erica's illustrations. You really did capture sort of the way that the border, La Frontera, is like a portal into another world. Like it, you guys really, uh, your team really did capture that. Good. I'm glad. Really what I want is... W- for young readers to see themselves in this book and to have something that I didn't have when I was a kid, which is permission to be themselves and to feel loved for exactly who they are and where they sit in these two cultures or sometimes even more than two cultures. So it took me, I think, becoming an author and and becoming part of Las Musas and meeting other authors like you who shared my experiences. That was the first time I think, um, sadly, that I started to feel like it was okay for me to be part of these two cultures and not to be completely one or the other. And I'd like young children to have that experience sooner to see that, oh, they're not the only one who feels a little bit shy around 
their family when they go to visit them in another country or in another cultural setting. Um, and also, of course, um, you know, I, I just want our experiences to be normalized in the larger culture. So this book isn't just for, for other Latina children, but for all children all over the world who maybe find some something, some universal aspect of this story. Yeah, I think you, I think you will find an audience for sure. And I, I, it's very clear why your book was chosen for the Junior Library Guild. Uh, oh. Oh, seriously, I, I agree. I have friends in some of my critique groups that are from other cultures and it is a universal experience to, especially when you're an immigrant of any, from any origin, not just uh, Latin American countries, is to realize like the, there's a kind of gap between your culture that you're living and that of your grandparents and that of your parents. And mm -hmm. that gap, it, it is alienating. Like it makes, um, it makes us sometimes feel like we're not neither here nor there. Like we're not part of this culture and we're not really part of that culture either. Yeah. The one of our parents and uh, some people call it like third culture kids. Like we're part mm -hmm. of like this third culture. And I think your book does a great job of sort of bridging the gap and addressing that phenomenon. Oh, good. Thank you. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah, yeah I think it's really lovely. Um, all right. We're going to talk a little bit about craft next. And this was something, I mean, you told us a little bit about your story and I cannot believe you're a DV Pitt success. That's so cool. But what did you find most surprising about the publishing process when you were working on Mariana and her familia? Oh, goodness. Well, the first thing that I found very surprising, and I think it is a shock for most authors, especially in Kidlet, is how long the process takes. Yes. <laughs> really jolting at first, you know, I would, I would, uh, I'm, I'm pretty speedy at getting revisions done and I would get revisions done and I would send them off to my editor and then I would sit and stare at my inbox and, <laughs> and, weeks, and weeks would go by and I'd go, what's happening? Is it me? Weeks? Weeks? That's it. <laughs> well, it took, I think it took over a year to get revisions done for Mariana because wow. it was so slow. It's my, now my subsequent experience has been different with, you know, it depends on the house as well. Definitely. Depends on the house and the editor and what, what else the editor has going on. But that was uh, very jolting for me. Also, I was really surprised by um, the fact that you don't really have any communication with the illustrator. So I expected I was I thought I'm going to work on this book with this illustrator and we're going to be besties now. <laughs> oh, oh, that's yeah, I yeah, I guess because I'm author and illustrator, I do have a working relationship with myself. <laughs> so and it's funny because I, it is an advantage to be both because I do say I can say, oh, I think the word should be different. Or I, I do say to myself, like, no, actually, I think the image should reflect. Like, I know I know what the author's trying to capture because it's me. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so there is that shorthand between me and myself. <laughs> but I imagine for you, it is a black box. You've written this thing and you're hoping that the illustrator has interpreted what you've written. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. That's interesting. Yeah. So you didn't get to say anything like you didn't get a chance to like a round of responses or so you do and again that does vary um 
you know, I've now that I've I've worked with a few different publishers, I find that every publisher works a little bit differently. And some of them you do it's in it depends on your contract. I have a fantastic agent who used to be a lawyer, so or is a lawyer, I guess. So she um, is really, really sharp with contracts. So it is always part of my contract that I do get to um, uh, have some say in the in what happens with the art. Um, but I don't ever communicate directly with the illustrator. So that no. yeah, you go through the art director or the editor. Yeah. Um, and with my first book, I don't I, I don't remember having a lot of say with the illustrations. Um, but then again, I was so green and so afraid of saying anything. I don't think I would have even if I if I had ha had the opportunity, I would have said, oh, fantastic. Great. <laughs> I see. So you were sort of uh, the first book like Mariana and her family, which we're sort of getting the cart before the horse. However, that saying goes that you have other books coming up. I'll ask you about those later. But um, during your first book, it was sort of all a learning experience. So I understand that you would have been a little bit like reticent to say, you know, to make, I don't know, make any kind of big changes, but I thought the illustrations came out really beautiful. And I don't, I mean, I don't know, what would you have changed? Like, <laughs> well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't. Right? It's like, it's a great book. <laughs> They're beautiful. Yeah. Um, and all of my illustrators have been fantastic, but now I'm a little less afraid to, for example, say, can we, um, can his pants be a different color? You know, something minor. I'm, I'm a lot less afraid now to um, voice my opinions than I would have been with the first book. Got it, got it. Um, for other art authors out there who are worried about talking to the illustrators, I would keep most of your comments in terms of content versus style. I feel like style, the reason why your editors and art directors chose that illustrator is usually for their style. So it's tough to comment on style. Yeah. It, definitely keep it on like how it reflects your words, how they're capturing your, how mm -hmm. they're capturing their, your, I guess your vision of the, the book, the message of the book. And um, yeah, I, I hesitate to tell authors to be like, yeah, go crazy on the art notes. Cause most of the time we don't even see them. So. Well, you know, th that that's interesting to know. Uh, <laughs> A lot of editors take them out before they give it to the illustrator. That's so interesting. And, and again, that varies from, from house to house. house. To house. Mm -hmm. I know um, one of the editors I'm working with now is, uh, I, I was very um, sparse with my art notes and she actually asked for a lot of art notes and like very specific. So she gave the, the illustrator very, very specific direction on what we wanted. So it's, it's really interesting. It depends on- I wonder if they were working with like so some of the art agencies are very commercially bent, like they're not like the the artists are very like they're they're producing on a rapid scale. So like, um, I, I'm not gonna name names, but some of the art agencies are are very very like almost a stable of just illustrators that only they do just they pump out work, you know. So I wonder if that's a means of getting it done quickly. You know, because when you're when you're doing your own book, obviously, like I'm not gonna have art notes <laughs> not for myself. Actually, no, that's not true. I do have art notes for myself, but um, so that was so surprising was the the length of time it takes. Yes, I would agree. It takes forever. Everything takes forever. Um, it will have been for this debut. It will have been three and a half years. Wow. The day that I sold it to the day that it publishes, and for the my the second book that I sold. 
it will have been four years. So, oh my goodness. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Well, the wow. pandemic slowed a lot down. Was, yeah. I was going to say the pandemic, I'm sure had something to do with that, but whoa, that's still wild that the second book. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now it, now again, it just varies from house to house and book to book because the subsequent two picture books, um, it, it will be two years and that's, that's pretty standard. Yes. Okay. All right. This leads to the next question. What did you learn working on, on book one that you've taken with you into your subsequent work? And and art, sorry, there's a two-part question. And are there any tips for writing children's books that you want to share with listeners? So much. What a big question. So um, I think the first thing that I, I was kind of alluding to is that I have learned to advocate for myself a little bit more. And I don't mean you know, pitching a fit or, or pushing back and, you know, uh, creating drama. That's not what I mean. I just mean that as a debut author, I was very reluctant to ever, to ever ask questions or to ever push back if I didn't agree with a note, uh, from my editor. And now I, I have finally, I think just in the last year, gotten a little bit more comfortable with saying, um, not even necessarily pushing back, but for example, we had finished uh, the revision process um, on one of my books, and then I saw, I got some art sketch, some, some um, like the interior design and- The dummy, like the sketch, or the illustrated dummy? Yeah, and looking at that and reading the text together, reading it out loud, I had a couple of changes that I wanted to make minor changes to the to the words to the text. And I think it, with my first book, I would have been too afraid to bring that up. I would have thought, Oh, that's it. We already finished Aww. editing process. I don't want to, you know, that's too late. And now I'm less afraid to bring those kinds of things to my editor and say, Can we change this? Can we change this? And, you know, so learning to being okay with advocating for yourself, even in, in the beginning, because you have to live with this book for the rest of your life. So, <laughs> this is true. You know, you want it to, you don't want to cringe every time you read it because, oh, that one little thing I could have changed, but I didn't bring it up. Yes, that's actually a really good point. I think that's something I would, I'll take with me too, is yeah. that you're, and the, the other thing is you're the one that's going to be reading it aloud, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, that's a big thing. And then I think, you know, the rest of it was just, I think that I'm a significantly better writer now than I was three and a half years ago. And that is simply because I, I write every day. I'm constantly working on the next project. So even if I'm not under deadline, that first year after I sold that book, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't give myself permission to start working on the next project. And now I'm, I'm constantly working on new things. So if I, you know, I'm juggling six or seven projects at the same time in different stages, and that makes you a better writer. Definitely. Uh, did you all listen to that? Did you take notes on that? Because that was excellent advice. Don't wait for one project to be done to start your next one. Like always be writing. And it helps it for a couple of different reasons, not just craft, but because psychologically, this business is not easy. The constant reading no. is very difficult and publishing keeps you in the dark. 
I mean, on almost everything. You don't know. There's so much happening behind the scenes, but you don't know what's happening. And so there's a lot of waiting around for things to happen and not knowing. And if you are a type A personality like I am, who wants control of things, that can be difficult. So it yeah, keeps- This is not the industry for type A personalities. This is really hard because none of it is in your control. I would say, I'm, I'm like a type C plus, I joke. <laughs> it's like oh yeah so if the, if if you're I would say the advice to take from that is for sure like keep on moving keep on writing right keep on writing and like keep on submitting to your agent yeah because I have no control over whether or not you know Mariana is going to get starred reviews how it's going to sell how it's going to be received but what I do have control over is sitting down at my desk today and working on the next project. Excellent advice. So you already mentioned a little bit about this, but what is your year? This is your de your debut. By the, I don't know when they're going to submit the when they're going to when listeners will be able to hear this episode. Maybe it's after your your debut. But what's your year been like so far? What are you up to? Ooh, so um, you know, I've kind of mentioned the fact that I'm working on several different projects. I yeah. have unannounced middle grade uh, novel oh, that, wow. that I'm working on. So I'm right now about to start developmental edits. Um, I'm working on a chapter book series that I just I just finished um, the, the first book yesterday. I'm going to send it to my agent and hopefully if she likes it, we'll go on sub with that. So writing um, and then, um, you know, a, another thing I think people are not they don't really prepare you for is the debut year is hard, hard psychologically. Yes. It's, you know, I've been living in kind of this blissful land since I signed with my agent of, oh, I'm an agented writer and now I'm selling books and writing books and it's fantastic. But once you start approaching the reality that your book is going to be out in the world, there's a lot of fear and imposter syndrome and insecurity that pops up. Definitely. Yes. I experienced that myself too. And also the physical time. Cause now when your book comes out, so my book just came out in August, you physically have to be in places where I'm like a hobbit. I live in my little cave. I illustrate in cave. Like, <laughs> like I barely go out. So now you have to be places. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm bracing myself for that because it's, I mean, I'm very excited. I'm because now I finally get to read my book to readers and 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 I love nothing more as you can tell than talking about writing so being on panels and that sort of thing is exciting to me but it also means less time to write and juggling yep. these deadlines and being on submission with going out and doing events so it's um it's definitely a really busy time and my first event is uh, September 24th. So I have a feeling it's going to start getting really busy. <laughs> What's happening in September? What do you got going? So I was just uh, recently asked to be part of the Multicultural Children's Book Fair. That's uh, so cool. Very cool. It's going to be on the um, campus of Cal State Los Angeles. And I don't have the details yet on what panel I'm going to be on, but I will be um, signing books and that I think they'll be selling books there. So that's my first event. Congratulations. That's so exciting. 
Yeah, I see that you're, I mean, I also have you listed for, are you, you're going to be signing in uh, places all in California? Are you going to be traveling el elsewhere or no? Yeah, so far everything is in California. So I have um, my first story time and book signing is going to be on October 8th at Barnes and Noble. That's at 11 a.m. Um, and then the next day I'll be at Village Well Books uh, and Coffee, which is in Culver City. Um, that one is also at 11 a.m. And then the following week on October 14th, I will be um, participating in the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival, which is a virtual event put Yay. on Las Yes, I'm on that too, but I'm on a different panel. <laughs> what whose, panel wait, who, whose panel are you on? So I'm moderating the Pura Amor um, live panel discussion with Duncan Tonatiu. And Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited and equally intimidated. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, I'm like, I love his work. So for people who are listening who don't know who he is, Duncan Tonatio is an illustrator and he has a very distinctive illustration style that um, it's like very representative of, I would say, cultural roots. Like it's like deeply rooted in traditional illustration from Central America. Like I would say Central Mexico. Yes, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. I'm very excited to be talking to both of them. I know. I'm, I'm going to watch that one. I'm, mine is a different day, so I, I, I'll be able to watch yours as well. That's so cool. So you're going to be on the Pura Amor panel. Awesome. And then more books, more book signings here and there. That's so, you see what I'm saying though, right? Like you're physically, now you're, you need to be physically present. Yeah. <laughs> like can't hide anymore. No, no more introvert. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of, it's kind of freaky. I have to say like, it's weird putting my my name and location on places. Maybe that's like the type C plus person in me. I'm like, wait, you mean I have to tell people where I'm going to be? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, all right. So I am super, super excited to see Mariana and her familia over on the shelves in my library. I've already requested it. And uh, we've sort of been hinting at you have other projects coming out. Can you name any titles and tell us what's coming soon? Yeah, so um, I have a book called The Worry Balloon coming out in July of next year. And that one, I'm, oh, I'm so excited about this book. It's um, illustrated by Betty C. Tang. Uh, and it's about a little girl coping with anxiety on the return to school. And it has some fantastic tips in the story but also in the back matter for kids who do struggle with anxiety young kids and things that they can do to help them cope um, Excellent. yeah I'm very excited about that one and the illustrations are just gorgeous yeah I can't wait to see that one I I'm, I still struggle with anxiety so and yeah, yeah that's really valuable I'm glad to see that's coming out very cool the worry balloon okay what else anything else that you can talk about or is that everything else a secret yeah, no, no, I have a couple more that are already announced. So um, in August, so the next month, um, How to Speak in Spanglish will be coming out. And that one um, is illustrated by Olivia de Castro. And again, amazing illustrations. Um, and it, that one's pretty self-explanatory. It's about a little boy who, is, who speaks Spanglish and his parents speak Spanglish, but his abuela is not thrilled. Um, she's more of a traditionalist and thinks he should speak Spanish in one place and English in other places. And ah, not yes, the one language, one parent uh, yes. theory. Yes. 
Did you have that experience through your grandmother was like, uh, I don't understand you. No, no hablo inglés. Like she would not respond to you if you didn't speak Spanish. No, I, I actually had a very tolerant. Way. Oh, that's very I would try to teach her English and she would very patiently um, play along with me. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. No, no, my great aunt was like that. My great aunt is just like the grandmother in how to speak Spanglish. My great aunt oh. was like, yo no te entiendo. Hablame en español. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I have um, uh, another announced uh, middle grade title. It's a fic uh, nonfiction compendium of biographies of notable 60 amazing Latine icons. I am so excited for that middle grade. When does that come out? That is in fall of 2024. Oh my gosh, excellent. Okay, cool. So that's going to be very, I think that's going to be very cool. I am going to look for that for my child. He is really into like nonfiction biographies and stuff. I'm sure there's going to be lots of kids really excited about that. Yeah, it's this one. This one was very exciting for me as well, because it's really pushing back against stereotypes uh, and these kind of confines of what it means to be Latina and, you know, how we're viewed and what we're supposed to do. You mean and like we're only this is the ones that I would say we're either singers or sports players. Yeah. <laughs> If that, you know, I mean, if that growing up in Southern California, it was we are all migrant workers. And while that is a very real experience and um, and there are migrant workers um, and people from that background featured in this book, I also wanted to show that we are of all it's, you know, Latin America is huge. Yep. All different backgrounds, different different ethnicities, different religious backgrounds, different um, occupations, and bottom line is we are capable of anything we set our minds to. Agreed. Agreed. Well said. Very well said. Looking forward to seeing that one. Thank you. And I can't. So wow, that's like how many books? So Mariana, Word Balloon, Spanglish, um, Middle Grade. Wow, that's four. That's amazing. Yeah, and I have looked another one that. Oh, wow. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. What's coming? It's unannounced. It would. It should be announced around January. It's a contemporary middle grade. Uh, That's novel. so cool. Wow. So, all right. I have to ask you. So, coming from years of struggle in the music industry and all of that, like, how does it feel? Like, how does it feel? Like, you're you've stepped into an industry where, which obviously is like ready for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. It's amazing. It 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 when when you've held a dream for your entire life, and that dream actually comes true, it's amazing. There's there's no better feeling. And and most importantly, I'm excited that I'll be passing this example on to my daughter, and you know, to people around me that as long as you don't give up, you can achieve anything. Well, congratulations, Monica. I am so excited to see all your work on the shelves. And what a pleasure to be able to talk to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm so excited. I have a copy of um, Abuelita and I Make Flan that I plan on taking with me to story time when I read oh, my book. Thank you so much for that. Well, listeners, uh, you can find Monica Moncias's book, uh, Mariana and Her Family, on shelves very, very soon. Make sure to request it from your library and buy it when you get a chance. Monica, do you want to share a website or anything where people can find your work? 
Yeah, you can find my work at monicamancillas.com. That's Mancillas is M-A-N-C-I-L-L-A-S, monicamancillas.com. Thank you so much. If you'd like to learn more about Las Musas or our books, please visit our website at lasmusasbooks.com or find us on social media at Las Musas Books. And be sure to check out our bookshop page where each purchase of one of our books goes towards supporting independent bookstores. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also sign up for Las Musas newsletter to have podcast updates as well as other Musa news such as release dates, teasers, spotlights, and more delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening.